Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale's back. He had to work really hard all through Sunday into Monday and getting it all done, but he's here to talk with us about some Steelers football. Y'all heard me give my game about balls out on the Monday show. Now I'm here to talk to Dale, getting more of his insights on what the game was, and now that he's had time to take it in, write his stories. Dale, everyone was talking about the second half adjustments. Defense adjusting to what the what 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 uh, Deshaun Watson what's what what Deshaun Watson was doing the offense being able to put some touchdowns on the board. Now that you've had time to talk to some people, get get a feel thing. What was your overall reading? Just the, the biggest things that helped make the Steelers click in that second half. Well, I think the defense finally figured out that the you know they could they could play some more man to man on the back end uh, against Deshaun Watson, who really hasn't run. Uh, nearly as much this year as he has in previous. Uh, if you look back at Deshaun Watson, I mean, he, you know, 450 plus uh, yards um, uh, last year, two yeah, last year, 500 yards two years ago. Uh, he's not on pace to rush for anywhere near that right now. And I think that's going to be hold up for them. I don't think they want him running the football as much. So once the Steelers realized that he wasn't going to do that, as I wrote in my 10 thoughts, uh, you know, they, they came into that game prepared for what they thought uh, Deshaun Watson would do to, to try to – could do to beat them. Uh, they adjusted to what Deshaun Watson was doing to beat them. Uh, and they were two different things. And so once they realized that he was – when he was scrambling, he was scrambling to throw, then they just said, okay, we're, we're not going to – we're going to play more man on the back end. We're not so worried about our, our uh, defensive backs being downfield with their backs turned to the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to just go after him and play man to man behind it. And, not, and they didn't blitz as much either in the second half. No, I agree with that assessment. My, my feeling was that when you saw them say, okay, you want to, you want to try and target us downfield. We're going to be prepared for that. But yeah, you also saw in the first half, Vince Williams come up, he even had a sack in the game. Um, but in that second half, you saw a lot more of, Hey, we're going to keep the middle of this pocket crushed. And you saw to get the sack. You saw more of that movement on the, with the front four, but the Steelers really relied on their back seven to say, Hey, you guys got to run with these guys. You got to communicate better um, because the Texans were also trying some of those, 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 you know, those rub routes and pick plays where they were just saying, Hey, let's just create some natural space between these guys. And the Steelers weren't catching on to it as much in the first half. That wasn't a problem in the second half. Whenever they tried it, guys were communicating. Bush was coming up to help on that. Terrell Edmonds was helping on that. Hilton was helping on that. Like there, there was a much better sense of, okay, like you said, on tape, this is what we prepared to face against you, but you came out this way. Now we have the our first half notes. Let's adjust. And when you give up 51 yards and a half, that's a dominant half. Yeah, and I was I was asked as well uh, on my live cues, you know, uh, why don't they make adjustments? Uh, you know, why do they have to wait until halftime to make adjustments? Well, I mean, when you've got, you know, 15 to 20 guys playing on defense at any one, you know, uh, it's not just 11, like, you know, back yeah. in the 70s. Uh, they, they, you know, sub-package guys. You've got guys who come in, uh, you know, dispel other people. You want to make sure everybody's on the same page. So, you you know, and, and some of those guys are out there on special teams and they're doing, you know. So you have to kind of wait to, to halftime to make some of those adjustments because uh, you want to make sure that everybody is on the same page with what, with what you're doing. Because if one guy isn't on the same page with, with your – with what your adjustments are, all of a sudden, then you get a blown coverage, which is what happened with the Texans on, on Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, they were, 
nobody within 10 yards of him when he caught the ball. And, and that, that's just a blown assignment. Those are what you can't afford to have. Right. And that's the thing is that when you're on the field, first of all, people need to understand how fast this game is. When we're doing the live file, when we're commenting and trying to keep things up, and I can attest this with the pit game too, there's times when you're typing something up and then something else is happening and you're like, crap, I got to put this entry into my file, but also keep, a, keep an eye on what's happening on the field. Imagine doing that, but trying to call plays and adjustments and showing, hey, this is what they did on the last play using those surface pros and which, you know, I'm not even sure how fast they work. You know, there's a, a, there's a bunch of calculations you have to do in a game that you might not have the time to because at any point in time, you're, if you're the defense, your offense can turn the ball over, and then you got to get back out there. And then do we do we do with those adjustments we were just talking about? Because we didn't finalize our discussion. There's so many things to account for in football. That's why, yes, halftime is huge. That's why, that's why it's part of the game. You give people time to adjust. That's why they give them extra time in between the second and third quarter so they can yes. make, a, make a halftime adjustment. That's why we have the word halftime adjustments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's a whole show that we have on Doug PXI, and the whole point of it is for them to be – is for them to say, hey <laughs> – now we have the chance. Let's talk. Let's. And often, what happens is there's a you know the team comes in, they address the whole team, but then everyone breaks into their groups and gets to their assignments. That's part of what that that's part of what they got they got to do, and that's what the Steelers did. And they did a I think they did a really good job. And even in the second quarter, in the first quarter they had some stall. They they had two three and outs. In that second quarter, you saw them step up. You saw you saw them get two touchdown drives. The fourth quarter, you saw a touchdown drive, and then a, the drive that ended the game. Those are the kind of adjustments that, that I think that are, are huge. And, uh, you know, it's not something that can be done on a dime. It takes time. It takes effort. And it takes a collection of information to say, okay, this is how they beat us here, here, and here. Now let's figure out how we can collapse those all into one concept that we can change with. Yeah, and, and those things happen, again, as you mentioned over time. I know a lot of people get upset with, well, why are they running this play on, you know, especially with the offensive corner? Everybody's, everybody's played Madden. Well, Madden, I just throw the ball here. I just do this. <laughs> You, you know, a lot of times offensive play callers will call something and they'll call a lot of different formations uh, early in games to see how the defense tries to match up against it. And then you save that. Okay, so when we went to this big package, we went to the, you know, double tight ends and, you know, Claypool on the field with, uh, you know, with the fullback in the game. Well, then they went to this package. Okay, we're going to file that away for later. And you, and you come back to it again later. Uh, and, you know, when you when you need a yard or something like that. So, it's all about the adjustments, the in-game adjustments. There's constantly adjustments that are made in the game of football. Constantly, you're, you're always looking to, you know, it's a chess game. It really is. You're mm -hmm. Figuring things out and what works, what doesn't work, and then going back to those things that work. If you find a formation or a certain play, as, as David DeCastro told us today, you know, why did you, why'd you run so much counter pull? Well, it was working. <laughs> if it was working, we, we just kept going back to it. If it's not working, we don't do it anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And, um, and, and, again, this is something that you and I were talking about last week on this very podcast. The Steelers' offense needs to figure out what they're good at. You know, back, back when they had Bell and Brown and, and the main, they knew, hey, we can dial up these plays to get results when we really need results. You don't have that with an offensive line that just played together for the first time this year. I mean, DeCastro, well, you know, hasn't pl hadn't played yet this year. This is the first time that alignment was all there, and now maybe they can start to build that chemistry. You're still figuring out who Anthony McFarlane's going to be for your offense. You're still figuring out what Benny Snell's capabilities are and how you can work that work Connor and Derek Watt, who's now out 
with, uh, with you know, uh, with with a with a, a hamstring injury for a couple weeks. Um, and you're still getting Ben Roethlisberger used to a lot of these new targets. Eric Ebron, new guy, Chase Claypool, rookie. Deontay Johnson played a game with him last year. You know, James Washington, they were supposed to get into a groove last year. There's there's so many new variables. It takes time to figure out what's your reliable factor, and that's what the offense is doing. Yeah, and, and I think that's why, uh, you know, the Steelers are happy to get out of the gate 3-0, and but uh, they know that they can still be better, and uh, that's going to continue to occur here. And they'll face a, a big test this week with three no tights. Absolutely, Dale. We're going to get to talking about that right after this. DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, the Steelers are 3-0. Like you said, they're facing the 3-0 Titans this week. This is also, oddly enough, this will be the first opponent they'll play that's had a, that has a win on their register right now because the Giants, the Broncos, and the Texans all are 0-3 after, after three weeks. Now they're facing a team that hasn't lost yet. Uh, of course, the star that everyone's going to talk about that, that the Steelers are going to have to address is Derrick Henry, who's their superstar running back. The Steelers, one of the best. I think they're actually number one in stopping the, one, the run right now. That's, uh, this sounds like the unstoppable uh, object meeting the immovable – or the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. Yeah, I think so. And it's going to be interesting. The Steelers allowing uh, 2.7 yards a carry this year in addition to just 54 yards rushing per game. Uh, you know, so – uh, number one goal, though, is going to be to stop Derrick Henry. I think, you know, you could see a very similar style of game plan to what the Steelers did against the Giants when they loaded up to stop uh, Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, the, the difference here is that, uh, you know, the Titans have a more veteran quarterback mm-hmm. in Ryan Tannehill. Uh, we'll see whether or not A.J. Brown gets back for this game. Uh, he's missed the last two with a knee, uh, with a severely bruised knee. Uh, that can be painful. You know, he's, I guess he's got a bone bruise. Uh, that, that uh, you know, those, those are painful. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to get back this week. If he is, uh, is he 100% or is he, you know, just kind of a, a decoy or something, you know, something of that nature. But um, I expect the Steelers to load up and, and attack the line of scrimmage like they've been doing. They've got 29 tackles for a loss in their first three games. Um, you know, Henry is, is, is averaging. He's, he's got the most carries in the NFL by 14 rushing attempts. I mean, he's been – uh, averaging nearly uh, 30 carries a game. So you're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry unless the Steelers are able to get a lot of three and outs like they did uh, Sunday against the uh, the Texans. Yeah, I think that's going to be that's going to be an interesting battle there to, to win the sticks and keep and keep keeping the Titans behind the sticks because when you force Ryan Tannehill to have to complete more third and third and eight, third and tens, third and elevens, keep him back in that range that's when he's going to have to be a better quarterback than just what he was for the, for the Titans last year when they got to the AFC championship game. But when, when Derrick Henry is able to come out and get five yards, get four yards, make it a third and three, a third and four, those are the third downs that are they're going to be easier to convert for Tannehill. And uh, you know, he'll, he'll be able to get into a comfort zone. 
Um, but again, you make him drop back, make him have to deal with the pass rush that will have time to get back to him. That's going to be the key to this game, in my opinion. And I mean, and let's not forget the Titans. They're not they're not devoid of weapons outside of AJ Brown. Corey Davis is still an athletic guy. Johnny Smith has been playing well for them at tight end. Um, so you know, and these aren't guys that I think are world beaters are going to be huge challenges for the Steelers. But if the running game allows allows the offense to kind of be comfortable, they're going to be a problem to deal with because they won't there won't be that much pressure for these guys to uh, excel. Yeah, and one key thing to keep an eye on this week is I believe Taylor Lewin, the, the Tennessee's left tackle, left mm-hmm. that game uh, last week. Uh, they played Minnesota yesterday. Uh, so keep an eye on his health as well. Um, they also have a rookie right tackle. So if they have to, uh, you know, if they're missing their left tackle and the right tackle is a rookie, they've been helping him out on the right side a lot in these first couple of games. Uh, if Lewin doesn't play, all of a sudden now you got to maybe – cheat a little bit on both sides and and Tannehill's a guy that likes to go down the field Uh, you know he averaged uh, 10 yards per pass attempt last year which is nuts Uh, it was one of the highest uh, in recent history so you know this could be a game where people are wondering you know what's going on with Minka Fitzpatrick why isn't Minka Fitzpatrick getting uh, getting his hands on many passes well this could be a game where he gets an opportunity to do so well, I'd like to examine that with you real quick. Why do you think he's not getting his hands on passes? I have my theory. I think it's just that teams are avoiding him right now for the most part. And he's playing in zones that aren't necessarily, hey, you're the robber, go jump this. This has been, It's been more of a situation where he's like, hey, you know, play this, but be conservative here. I think that there's still some things that Minka is working on. Yeah, I think if you're, you know, if you're loading up to stop the run like the Steelers have been doing, uh, you know, your, your safeties are, are going to help out in those respect in, you know, doing that. So, you know, it, there's going to be some times where, uh, you know, they've left their corners on an island and really haven't had the over-the-top coverage. And I think that's when you've seen, uh, you know, the quarterbacks go deep when they don't see Minka deep in the deep middle. Uh, but I think, you know, if they get into a situation where they could force Tannehill to, to make some of those longer passes, uh, Fitzpatrick's going to get his hands on balls. And let's face it, you know, the, the – uh, the number of turnovers he was forcing last year when he first got here, that's just not sustainable. It's not, it just doesn't happen in the NFL. That's what made it so remarkable. Right. And again, like Troy Pomalo didn't always have a whole bunch of interceptions. He would make big plays when they came to him and if, and he would have those years where it would come in bunches, but you can't do that every year. Uh, You know, Kevin Byer, the the Titans safety was an example of that. There are some years that he blew up with huge numbers. Um, so there, that, that, that's part of I think that's, that, that's absolutely just part of the game. Uh, but again, I think, you know, you put some teams in some more desperate situations and especially now that we're starting to see this Steelers offense click a little bit more here and there, if they can build one of those big leads, you're going to see some of those shots get taken and maybe that's where the interceptions start to happen. I mean, Mike Hilton caught, you know, caught Deshaun Watson um, on the, on this, in this last game when he rolled out to his right threw across his body deep down the field. And he was and he was waiting on that. I, I think more plays can happen like that if the Steelers can build more of those leads. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, I think the offense is going to continue to get better. Uh, and, and you know, right now it's averaging a little over twenty six points per game. That's a full touchdown more than than what they averaged last year. As they continue at that pace, the turnovers are going to come. Absolutely, Dale. Thank you as always for being on the DK Steelers podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Don't Get Me Started. And boy, did they get me started. Right after this.
Welcome back to the DK Steelers Podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started! Don't get me started about these new college football rankings. This is Don't Get Me Started, the rant segment of the DK Steelers Podcast. Okay, technically, I'm going a little off base because this isn't necessarily the Steelers, but it's all of football. And I gotta say, what the heck are we doing here? So, this is the AP college football poll. And, you know, every, you know, it, it technically it doesn't even mean as much as it used to because now it's gonna be all about, um, it's gonna, it's gonna be all about the, uh, it's gonna be all about the, the college football rankings, the playoff rankings, whenever those are to come out. But, you know, and it, it's complicated right now. I see that. I get that like everybody else. But, uh, you know, you know, because, you know, the, the Big Ten canceled football, the Pac-12 canceled football, then they uncanceled football, and, and there's questions there. I get it. But let's be real here for a second. This doesn't make sense what they just did with week four. Now, week three, Pitt was ranked 21st. And it was a conditional 21st because, of course, no no Big Ten or uh, Pac-12 teams could be in it. So typically, you'd expect that the pit would be bounced out of it. And they were playing. They they beat 24th ranked Louisville, who also is playing and supposed to be really really good. Um, pit beating 24th ranked Louisville should have you thought boosted them up inside the top 20, which would be the first time since like 2009, I think, that they've been that high, something like that. But no, the new rankings come out, and they have put the Big Ten and the Pac-12 back into consideration with the AP College poll, and now Pitt has dropped down to 24. I think this is the first time in history that a ranked team has beaten another ranked team and then lost three spots in their polling. It, like, I don't understand why they're bringing these college teams back now, especially when you look at some of the records of these teams. Now, let's, let's like I'm gonna paint the picture for you. So here's all the rankings. Number one, of course, Clemson. Duh, they're Clemson. They're gonna get that. Number two, Alabama. Duh, they're Al- Alabama. Gonna get that. Number three, Florida. One and zero. Number four, Georgia. One and zero. Okay, SEC teams, big time programs. They got a lot of talent this year. Totally get that. Notre Dame's at five at two and zero. They that's an interesting pick there. You know, Notre Dame whenever they get ranked high, I'm a little suspicious of it. But hey, they, they, you know they, they're two and zero. They're talented this year. It'll be but here we go with the first one that's been supplanted in here: Ohio State at number six with not a single game played. I got problems. What? They don't even play for another like three weeks. How 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 are they factored into this? Like what what? How does Ohio State get in these rankings and make this happen? That doesn't make sense to me. It continues though. Number seven, Auburn. Again, SEC one and zero. We get it. Number eight, Miami three and zero, and very good three and zero, mind you. Pitt's three and zero is is very good, but Miami they 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 look real dangerous. When Pitt plays them, that's going to be a huge game. Um, number nine, Texas two and zero. Um, cool Big Twelve. Number ten, Penn State at zero and zero. Not a single game played, but somehow they're ranked above all these other teams that did play games. Who knows? It's like the BCS all over again. UCF two and zero at number eleven. They're UCF. They do these rank. They get in these rankings all the time. Someday, maybe someday they'll make a tournament. Um, North Carolina at one and zero ACC. I get it. Texas A and M one and zero from the SEC. I get it. Number fourteen Oregon from the Pac twelve. Gosh, just kill me now. 
Uh, so it keeps going on. Cincinnati 2-0 at 15, ranked at 15. Mississippi State, who just upset LSU. This made a lot of sense. They're at 16. Oklahoma State, they're 2-0. They're, they're at 17. Oklahoma, 1-1 one one at 18. Hmm, not so sure about that one. I, 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 don't, I don't get how Oklahoma gets to hold their spot. But hey, that's, that's how it goes, I guess. Wisconsin at 19 at zero with, with zero games played. LSU at 20 despite losing to Mississippi State, and they're at 0-1. Tennessee at 1-0. Uh, they're, at they're at 21. Uh, LSU's at uh, 20. Uh, BYU at 22. They're 2-0. That's fine. Michigan, again, no games played. They're ranked at 23. And there's Pitt at 3-0, ranked at 24. Memphis rounded out at 25. So if you count them, Teams that haven't played a single game, Michigan at 23, Wisconsin at 19, Oregon at 14, Penn State at 10, and Ohio State at 6. That's five teams that haven't even played a game. And then when you factor in LSU, the fact that they haven't won a game and that they're, um, they're, they're, you know, they're, uh, and, and they're still ranked above Pitt, that's rough, man. They're 0-1. Oklahoma's 1-1. Like all the things that always were, we were always told about how you calculate rankings, and it's the most recent games, and you know it's who's hot right now that that's that's factored in. Oklahoma's one and one. Pitt beat a ranked team this past week. How, what, what's going on there? And this ain't just about Pitt. You know why is Tennessee behind LSU? They're one and zero. LSU's one and one. One and one. Fix that. What are we doing here? And again, why are these teams that aren't going to play for another month or so yet in the rankings already? Gosh, I, I get that it's that we're trying to adjust to a crazy time, and it is a crazy time. That's fine. I have no problem with you know acknowledging like, hey, this is just a rough situation, but you don't need to do this yet. It just the, you don't know who half these teams are. You don't know if they're going to be good. You know, Micah Parsons, who's the, the who's the nation's top linebacker for this upcoming draft class, I, b I believe he opted out for Penn State. He hasn't opted back in. So you take him out, where's Penn State really going to rank this year? It's a good question. And that's not to dog Penn State, but it's like, you know, what, what are we really doing here? <coughs> I, don't, I, I, I never believe in Michigan. Anytime I'm told Michigan something, I, I just I wait till they play Ohio State and get destroyed like they have every year for the past, what, eight years? How long has it been since Michigan's beaten Ohio State? It's been a long time. But I look at all this, I'm just like, man... This doesn't make no sense. None of this makes sense. Throw it all out. Associated Press, I get what you're doing. You got to do your jobs and you're getting your votes in. But hey, why Why are these people, why, why are these schools that haven't played among, amongst it? You know, when they, when they play their first games, throw them in there. Like if Ohio State beats up on Liberty or some small school or, you know, or even if they beat, beat a big school, whoever they beat, if they beat somebody and they show, hey, that team's for real – Throw them up there. Get them in the top five if you want. I, 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 I'm all for that. But when they're not playing, why are they ranked? Jeez. And Mississippi State, they deserve. They, they played well against LSU. I saw that. I saw. I saw that game. That was after the pit game. I was. I, I had that on the background while I was while I was covering it uh, for the website, and I was writing my stories, and I was watching Mississippi State fight and battle, and they almost lost it. LSU almost came back, but they held on. Um, so that was impressive. Cincinnati, they're doing well. They they, they earned their 2-0. Texas A&M, North Carolina looks tough. Like, Pitt's got some real tough competition in the ACC this year. This ain't no cakewalk to, until they face Clemson, I'll tell you that much. Um, but I, just, I, I look at this, I'm like, why are these why are these teams under? Like, North Carolina should not be under 
Penn State. Miami shouldn't be under Ohio State right now. To be fair, Miami's Miami's been balling. Derek King looks like a decent quarterback right now. That defense is all over the place. That turnover chain is going to be busy this year. But no, we got these teams that haven't played above them. And I know, I know, it's the history of the AP, and they're doing their thing. But it's just, it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. It's like the BCS all over again, where most random statistics that no one's ever heard of get factored in, and somehow they weigh more than you beat this team earlier than the, earlier in the year, and somehow they'll rank higher than you. Ugh. But that got me started. And this has been Don't Get Me Started here on the DK Steelers Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. We're part of the DK Sports Radio uh, uh, you know, network, conjure, whatever you want to call us. We are a team here. If you subscribe to this channel, you're getting the DK Daily Shot podcast where Dayan Kovacevic gives his daily shot on on sports. Um, he's uh, he he watched uh, the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals last night, so that's there. You got the DK Pirates podcast where Noah and Alex are wrapping up the, the Pirates season for you there. Then of course you've got the DK Steelers podcast here. Noah's no doubters for gambling advice. You also have Noah down Noah's down memory lane where he interviews former Pittsburgh athletes. You also have the WPXI Fantasy Insider on 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 uh, Thursdays. So. Tune in to, all, to this channel for all that great content. If you're enjoying a lot of great content, please leave a five-star review with a positive comment. Those things really help us improve the network. Thanks so much. Be back in your ears tomorrow here on the DK Steelers Podcast.